And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Well, welcome to week two of our new message series called Redo, How to Get Past Our Past. And uh, last week, we took our time together. We talked about labels. We talked about the labels that oftentimes um, people place on us. And then sometimes there's labels that we place on ourselves. And so we talked a little bit about how we get rid of those. And today what I want to do is I want to talk about another topic that is really close to my heart because in my own journey, and I've explained and shared, and I will continue for for as long as, as I'm up here, just the journey that I've been on as coming to know Christ month before I turned 21. But um But today, the topic that I want to talk about is something that's personal to me that has really kind of helped me in my own journey, and I believe it'll help you too. I want to talk about how we get past our own personal failures. In other words, how do we get to a place in our life when we can actually forgive ourselves? It's one thing for God to forgive us, but it's a whole other thing for us to be able to get to a place where we can forgive ourselves for the things that we've done in the past. I want you to grab your Bible and smartphone this morning and, and let's, let's, let's repeat our prayer together as we prepare our heart for God's word. Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So um, I don't know if you know this about Andrea and I, but um, we were on staff uh, here about five years ago, and we were on staff here for almost five years. And um, before Andrea was the worship pastor here before, um, there was a need in the kids' ministry, and so um, she actually did a one-year stint as the kids' pastor here at Evangel. And uh, you may remember, if you've been around for a while, that back then we did a once a week uh, vacation Bible school. Eventually, it became came mega sports camp, which was very effective and, and reached the community. And we're looking forward to be able to do stuff like that again. Um, but before we started with mega, we had a, a week vacation Bible school that would happen here. And it would take up the entire building, like all from the kids area, all in here, we'd have our our big kind of gatherings in here each night and and um and so when Andrea was that that the kids pastor for that that one year one year term I don't know if it's that's all she could handle or what but uh I I mean I I don't know about about how you are with your personality but I mean it takes a special person to lead kids. I mean, if I was the kids pastor, I'd be duct taping them to chairs. And I mean, I'd be the worst. Um, but uh, so she did that for a year. And so um, like how, uh, you know, oftentimes, um, guys, we get uh, what I call voluntold, you know, where we're told that we got to volunteer for something. And so I got voluntold that week of vacation Bible school that I was going to oversee the media um, for that week. And so um, I ended up working um, with uh, a guy 
Um, it's Karen Burton. If you've been around, you know Karen Burton. She's actually uh, serving right now. She's the interim kids director, and she's on the other end of the building just, just leading our kiddos, doing an amazing job while we're kind of conducting a national search for um, our next uh, generation pastor. And um, and so I got partnered with her husband, and I'm sure he got voluntold too to be a part. And so the two of us were, were over media for that week. And, and um, there were many times during that week that I would have to come down here, and he would be up there in the sound, sound booth, kind of high and exalted up there. And, and I would be yelling up there, and he'd be yelling down here as we're trying to find cables and set stuff up. And I'd be yelling his name, and he'd be yelling my name and so so we had all that going on and and that went on for an entire week now I don't know for you for me I'm really good with faces but really bad with names which makes it really challenging during COVID because I can't see like anybody's face but um but I'm really bad with names. And, and we had that whole week where we were working together and I was calling him and his name, all that stuff. And, and, uh, and, and when we got to the end of it, that night, Andrew and I went home and it was late and I don't, it was probably between nine and 10 o'clock at night. And we're kind of winding down at the house. And, and, and I looked over at her and I said, man, I've really enjoyed working with Patrick this week. And... She's like, Patrick, who is Patrick? And I said, oh, you know Patrick. Patrick's been helping me up in the media booth the entire week. And she just looks and has this blank stare. And she says, that's not Patrick, that's Justin. <laughs> and I mean, the blood just went out of my face. And I felt like such a loser at that moment. Like I'm, I'm like, the entire week I've been calling him Patrick and he never said anything. <laughs> like he never corrected me. He said, dude, my name's not Patrick, it's Justin. And so she, she decides that, that she wants to like make it even worse. And so she calls Karen that night and says, Karen, you won't believe what just happened. And I'm right there. She's like, my husband just said that called your husband Patrick and has been doing it the entire week. And she's like, I know. And then they start laughing and it just makes it even worse. And I'm just like, man, I'm such a loser. And, and, and so, um, so now kind of the thin side joke with Justin is we always call him Patrick. But what was really funny about that is that even his kids for months would call him Patrick at home. <laughs> I mean, what a failure, right? And... You know, some of us in our life, we, we have like failures like that that are embarrassing, like super embarrassing that we regret, we wish we could take back. But, but some of us in our life, we have, and really all of us, we've got, we've got some failures in our life that, that bring a lot of pain. They bring a lot of hurt. They've hurt us. They've hurt other people that we love, that we're close to. Maybe some of you today, you've you, you, you kind of look back at maybe it's like these guys ministering to college students and maybe you had some, some failures back in, in college or while you were a young adult. It was, it was something that was fun in the moment, but what you recognize is that through the years it's added to the baggage that you carry and, and it has just kind of impacted really every relationship that you have. Or maybe for you it's a recurring sin. Maybe it's something 
in your life that, that you want freedom from and you, you ask God to forgive you and, and he does and, and maybe you go a week or two weeks and, and you're good, but then you do it again and, and it's just like you promise God I'll never do it again, but then you do it again and it's just the weight of that, of that guilt of feeling like you can never shake it and feeling like you're constantly promising God because in your heart you want to do better, but it just keeps happening again and again. Or maybe, maybe for you it was something that you said. Maybe there's a relationship. Maybe it's a spouse or maybe it's a kid or maybe it's your grandkid or maybe you're a teenager this morning and it's something that you said to your parents and and it came out in a season that, that, that you were experiencing some frustration or maybe some stress. And, and now you've said something and it's cut deep to somebody that you love, that, that, that you cherish so much. And, and you wish that you could reel it back in. You wish that you could take those words back, but, but you can't. The damage seems to have been done. The reality is, is that all of us in our lives, we experience failure. All of us in our lives do things that, that hurt us, do things that hurt other people. And what happens a lot of times is we carry those around with us for the rest of our lives. And oftentimes we end up feeling like David did in, in the Bible when, when all of his friends deserted him and, 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 and his enemies were persecuting him. And he said this in Psalm chapter 38, verse 4. He said, my guilt overwhelms me. The guilt that I carry, that it overwhelms me, that it's a burden. Hear these words. I mean, hear his voice in it. It's a burden that's too heavy to bear. Listen, I don't know where you are with your journey. I don't know the stuff that you're carrying. I don't know how heavy the, the sorrow and the guilt was that you were carrying when you walked through these doors today. But I can, I can tell you this, is that every one of us has carried it in our life. That every one of us has made mistakes. That I've made my share of mistakes. That the person sitting next to you has made their share of mistakes. The the person that has been the most influential in your life has made mistakes. Friend, I learned a long time ago that it's not the absence of, of a past, it's not the absence of mistakes that determines how blessed our life is gonna be. That it's whether you and I are willing to allow God to do the inner work, the inside work in our lives so that we can be transformed. And I think one of the first things that we've got to understand as it relates to, to guilt, as it relates to the baggage that we carry about or from our past is we've got to understand that there are two types of guilt. That there's two types of guilt. And we see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. And my guess is, is part of this is going to be quite surprising to you. That it says here, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience. The kind of sorrow that God wants us to experience. Like, did you know that there is a, a sorrow, there's a heaviness, there's a guilt that God actually wants us to experience in our life? 
Like Paul says here that that, that kind of sorrow that God wants, that it's the kind that, look at this, that leads us away from sin and results in salvation. He says there's no regret for that kind of sorrow. I bet you didn't realize that there's some guilt and some sorrow that God wants us to experience. That there's this godly sorrow that you and I feel when, when we're far from God and he's trying to draw us back home. And Paul's like, that's the kind of sorrow that we all need in our lives. And there's probably some of you that are here today or some that are watching online and you've, you've kind of felt that. Like you recognize that there's a huge gap between you and God, that, that you would consider yourself far from God and you, and you feel this kind of heaviness with your past and the mistakes that you've, you've made. Like maybe, maybe you did some things this weekend and you come in here or you're listening online and there's just this, this kind of heaviness that's there. And, and Paul says there's a godly sorrow that is inviting you back to him. It's a, it's a heaviness that helps us to identify that we were made for more than this. Like God destined you and I to live to more than this. And then there's another kind of guilt, another kind of sorrow. It says, but worldly sorrow that it lacks repentance. And look what it says, the result of that kind of, of sorrow, of guilt in our life, that it leads to spiritual death. And this is the kind of guilt that is extremely dangerous in our life because it's the kind of guilt that says, I know that God has forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself. And I'm cool with God forgiving me, but I just can't forgive myself. And this is the kind of guilt that we experience when we're constantly beating ourselves up for something that we've already asked God for forgiveness for. We usually assume that the more that we beat ourselves up, the more that it proves to God how sorry we are for all the stuff that we've done wrong in our life. But friend, that's not the case. You see, that kind of guilt in our life is so dangerous because it's the kind of guilt that's rooted in pride. And the reason why it's rooted in pride is because in a, in a position of humility, we gratefully accept a pardon that we didn't earn. We gratefully accept that and we end up choosing to live a life in a manner that demonstrates that gratefulness. So I think of my own journey and I think of my life right up to the point of, of being 21 and all the things that I had gotten involved in and all the things that I were doing. And, and then God, and I remember that heaviness. I remember the, the heaviness and, and all the stuff that was in my, I remember that day in the bathroom at that gym looking in the mirror and just ashamed at what my life had become. And it was this godly sorrow where he was inviting me back into my purpose and destiny and all that he had for me. And, and when I gave my life to him, I didn't give my life to him and go on living some perfect life. I still have plenty of ups and downs, just as many as you do probably. 
but I've decided to live my life in such a way that it is grateful for all that he has done for me. But when we're allowing this kind of guilt and sorrow to, where, where we just can't let go of it ourselves and we just can't move on, that, that's pride and it says, God may forgive me, but, but my moral standard is way higher than God's. And it says what Jesus did on the cross, it may be sufficient to cover everybody else, but it's not sufficient enough to cover mine. And friend, you gotta hear me this morning that living your life this way is an insult to the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross because it says to him that your sacrifice was not powerful enough to cover every sin in my life. You know, back in the first century, on the legal documents that, that they would make back then, when, when you had a borrower that had borrowed money, when they came to the point where they had paid back um, and they were released of their liability, on those documents, on the back of it, it would have this word, and I'm gonna butcher it for a second, Tetelestai. It would say Tetelestai on the back. And here's what that word means. It means paid in full. And guess what, friend? When Jesus was on the cross, you remember that last word that he said? It was that same word, Tetelestai, meaning it is finished and friend he was speaking that about your debt and he was speaking that about my debt he was speaking that about the sin that we would have committed 20 years ago and he's speaking it about the sin that we will commit 20 years from now that Jesus dying on the cross said it is finished he knew then he knew way back then the sins that you and I would commit in our lives. The thing that weighs on you, the, the thing that everywhere you go, every time you try to kind of move forward and get on with life and get on with God, the thing that is constantly weighing you back, like Jesus even knew in that moment that you would do that and he still stretched out his arms and he said, it is finished. The guilt that you're carrying, the regret that you feel, like all of that, when you give it to the Lord and you ask him to forgive you of your sins, it is finished. And so today I want to give you just three, what I would call kind of handles. These are, these are three things that I think, I think you need, there are things that I've kind of come to grasp with in my own life, but three things that will help you fight off that worldly guilt that the enemy constantly tries to put on your shoulders. And here's the first one. That we've got to recognize that our biggest sins are not too big for God's grace. Your biggest sin, the biggest thing, the thing that you can instantly go back to and to think about, it's not too big for God's grace. And friend, this had this reality, this truth had the biggest impact 
on my own life to be able to overcome my past, to recognize that his grace is greater than my worst sin. You see, you and I, we've got a real enemy, and his name is Satan. And there's nothing that he loves more than to get us treading water in the ocean of guilt for the rest of our lives. And the reason why he wants to do that is because he understands that guilt paralyzes us. That it paralyzes us. We, we never end up growing spiritually beyond that point of guilt in our lives. But not only does it paralyze us, but but it breeds this kind of self-hatred in our life. But the more that we're treading water in the sea of guilt and the more that we continually beat ourselves up for the things that we've done, the more we end up disqualifying ourselves from God's very best in our life. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, but if we confess our sins to him, that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. All wickedness. Turn to somebody and tell them all. Go ahead, turn to them. Say all wickedness, not just a little bit. I can see some of you because I'm an introvert and I can see some of you, you're like, <laughs> it's all good. I, I know what you're feeling. It's all good. All wickedness. All of it. Not just some. Not just the stuff that you think that he can forgive you of and cleanse you of. But he says all wickedness. But not only is he faithful and just to do that in our lives. But, but look at this in Jeremiah 31, 34. He says, and I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. You don't serve a God that forgives you and then kind of dangles it over your head for the rest of your life as a way to try to, try to manipulate you into going to church more or giving more in the offering or serving more or trying to be a better person. That that when you ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins, it don't matter how bad the sin is in your life, that he forgives you. But not only does he forgive you, but the all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God makes a conscious choice to never again remember your sin. <laughs> And maybe that's why, maybe that's why God is so adamant that we forgive one another. Maybe that's why he's so adamant that we don't hold and dangle the sin of, of somebody else's shortcoming over their head. Maybe that's why Jesus went as far as saying that I can't forgive you if you don't forgive other people. Maybe it's because he cares so much about the importance of us letting it go, of receiving forgiveness and moving on with our life. 
Friend, God has an amazing plan and purpose for every single person. And it doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It doesn't disqualify you from the future that he has for you in your life. And you've got to recognize that the guilt and the shame and the sorrow that you feel as Satan's causing you to tread water in that sea of guilt, that that's his way of trying to steal, kill, and destroy God's purpose for your life. The second thing that I think you've got to, you've got to recognize today is that we're not what we've done. Like this morning, you are not what you've done. You are who God says you are. You're not who you are in the rearview mirror and what you've done. You're who God says you are. And I think what Satan tries to do in our life is he tries to get us to personalize our sin. That he tries to get us to, tries to convince us that what we've done is, is who we are now. And, and I learned this lesson a while back that failure is not an event or failure is an event, not a person. That what you did, the mistake you made, the shortcoming that you had, that it was an event in your life, it's not who you are as a person. And that's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that we read last week, and I hope you can kind of track the trend, the thread that is going through these messages, that, that Paul said this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Remember, we talked last week, that's not just a better version of the same, that's a completely different person. Yeah. Are you connecting the dots? That, that God is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins when we confess it to him. And when we do that, he never again remembers them. They are blotted out by the blood of Jesus in our life. And because we have entered into a relationship with him, all of that old baggage that's back here that defined who we used to be before Christ is no longer there, that we are now a new person, completely different person in Christ Jesus. What we've done, it no longer no longer defines who we are in Christ. And then the third one I want to give you today, and I want to invite the worship team up, is this, that we cannot change our past, but Jesus can change our future. I mean, I wish that I could go back and I could hit the rewind button in my life and go all the way back to an earlier time before I got into the things that I got into, but I can't. I can't go back and fix all of that stuff, but I can surrender my life to the one that determines my future. And Paul says in Philippians chapter three, verse 12, he says, I don't, I don't mean to say now, I want you to pay attention to the wording of this. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. In other words, don't think that I've, I've got my life all together because I don't. This is Paul saying this. 
But despite not having it together, he says, I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. You've got to hear that. He's saying, despite my shortcomings, despite the things in my life that are not perfect and not right, I press on forward. My guess is, is that some of you are kind of stuck in this, I haven't, I'm not perfect, I haven't got it right, and you've allowed that to keep you from pressing forward. You know, we, we talked one of our first messages here at Evangel as lead pastor was, was talking about John 15 and it was talking about how Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. And as we remain in him, it says in John 15, as we remain connected in him, that he can move in our lives, that we can prosper in our lives, that we can be blessed in our lives. The Bible says when we don't, we can do nothing, it says, without him. And I think so many times in our life to try to get through the guilt and the shame and the regret, we think we gotta try harder, we think we gotta have more self-discipline, we gotta get this in order and that in order, and the reality is, is we just gotta stay connected to Jesus, to allow him to begin to do the work inside of our heart that needs to be done so that we can become all that he's created us to be. Paul goes on in verse 13, he says, no, dear brothers and sisters. He's like, guys, I have not achieved it. Like I can imagine those people thinking that Paul had it together, that he was perfect, and he's like, he's like listen, I, I have not achieved it. That would be far from the truth, but what, but what Paul's saying is what keeps me moving in Christ rather than being burdened by my past is that that I choose this one thing. That I choose to focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. This word forgetting is comprised of two parts. And the way, that, the way that Paul put this together, he did it in such a way that the first part, the preposition on the beginning, means that it intensifies the meaning of the word. And, and that original Greek word, lithonomai, whatever, however you pronounce it, <laughs> means completely forgetting. And it comes from the root word, oblivion. And what Paul's trying to help them understand is, guys, you're gonna mess up. You're gonna miss it. You're gonna have some regrets of your past that you wish you could go back and change. But he's saying, because Jesus has forgiven you and forgetting it, you've got to receive the forgiveness and to move forward. 
I love how he says, looking forward to what lies ahead. I, I love how he phrases all of this because it, it gives me this kind of visual of a runner that's running a race. And I think Paul understands that, like any runner understands, that we lose speed when we look back. And I read somewhere that when runners look back, that they're no longer running to win, but they're running to avoid losing. And I think Paul understands that in our spiritual lives. And so he says in verse 14, he says, I choose to press on. That I choose to press on. And this this word in the original language means, look at this, to aggressively chase like a hunter pursues their prey. If you're a hunter in the room, what Paul's getting at here is he's like the way that we live our life, the way that we experience God's best in our life is we don't climb up the tree stand of life and just wait for it to come in front of our scope and pull the trigger But Paul's like, no, we get down out of the tree stand and we track it and we go looking for it. And I believe that's what Paul is challenging all of us in our own lives. And and I know this to be true for me that, that you can't reach for the future if you keep holding on to the past that you can't reach out to what God has for you and his amazing plan, his amazing purpose for your life when all you keep doing is holding on to what is behind you. And maybe there's some of you here today, some of you at home watching, and Satan has been working overtime to try to hold you back and to to, to force you to kind of carry the weight, to tread in the sea of guilt. And every time you try to take a step out, a positive step to move towards God, he's in your ear whispering all the reasons why you can't do it. And I believe from the depth of my heart as a man who's walked this journey out in his own life that God has more planned for you than you could ever imagine that there's no sin there's no shortcoming there's no regret that could ever keep a humbled repentive heart from experiencing in their life that God has an anointing upon you he's got a plan and a purpose for your life that where you come from doesn't disqualify you from where you are going. And I think that's why it says in Proverbs 24, 16, that for though the righteous fall seven times, in other words, there's a guarantee that you and I are gonna fall. A guarantee that we're gonna fall short. But it says the righteous, what do they do? They rise again. And I believe the Holy Spirit is telling 
some people in this room or some watching online or listening to the podcast this week, it's time to rise again. It's time to climb out of the sea of guilt that you've been treading for years and rise again. Jesus said it was finished on the cross and he said that over each and every one of your lives that it is finished. That what you did in the past, what has held you back, that it is finished and Paul is challenging you today to forget what is behind you and to press forward for all that God has for you because your biggest sin isn't too big for God's grace. You're not what you've done. You are who God says you are and you can't change your past. But Jesus can sure change your future. Church with every head bowed and eye closed today. Maybe there's some of you today that that you would say, Ryan, that's me. I've been carrying the same baggage. I've been carrying the weight for a long time. And I hear the Holy Spirit whispering in my heart today that it is finished, that it's time to let go. And if that's you, I want you to take a faith step this morning. I just want you to slip up your hand for a second. You can put it down. It's just a a faith step between you and God saying, this is me and I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to, to let go. I'm ready to forget the past and press on to the future of all that God has for me in my life. And I want to lead you in a prayer today. You can just say it right there wherever you are. You can just kind of whisper it between you and God. Father, forgive me. Forgive me for what I've done. Today I receive your grace in my life. And somebody needs to visualize that today. Visualize letting go of the guilt and receiving the grace. Let go of the guilt and receive the grace. Father, I receive your grace over my life. Father, help me to be the man or woman that you've called me to be a person living a life that's not defined by my past, that today I might experience true freedom. Help me to move on, to move forward, to put my hands or my life in your hands. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and eye closed, I want to speak to one more group before we go real quick. Maybe for you and your journey, maybe you recognize that there is a gap. Maybe you recognize today that you're far from God. And that godly sorrow that you've been feeling, the heaviness of the life that you're, you're living, the heaviness of the things that you're doing, that 
that this morning is an ordained, a God-ordained moment that the Holy Spirit is drawing you back. And I want to lead you in, in that prayer today. And maybe it's for the first time. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus into your heart. Or maybe today you recognize it's time to get back on track. It's time to, it's time to recreate, uh, recommit my life to God. It's time to put him back at the center of my life. And I want to lead you in that today. With every head bowed and eye closed as a, as a faith step and reaching out to the Lord, I just want you to just lift your hand just for a second. If that's you today, that it's time. The Holy Spirit is drawing you, drawing you closer, yeah. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, that the old life is gone, a new life has begun. If that's you today, repeat this with me, church family. Would you say it aloud with us? Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I surrender my life to you. Forgive me. Change me. Come live inside of me with all of my heart. I'm going to live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Church family, would you give it up for those today? I believe if you raised your hand for any part of that, that today's a God-ordained moment. God wants you to know that your best days are ahead of you, not behind you. That he's got amazing plan and purpose for your life. Listen, coming back to the Lord, recommitting, asking him into your heart. It's not the finish line of our journey, it's the starting point. And at the end of the service today, our prayer team is gonna be up here in the front and I would encourage you, don't walk out these doors and just go back to your old life. But take just a moment and come up and let, let these guys pray with you. Let them encourage you this morning and and maybe you've got some things going on in your life and maybe it's health-wise or financial or whatever and you just want somebody to agree with you in prayer, again, our prayer team will be up here available for you after the service today. And then finally, guests, today's your first time. Make sure you stop by guest services. We consider it an honor to be able to, to meet you today and to give you your free gifts. We're going to get ready to prepare our hearts for giving today. And we thank you for your continued faithfulness and obedience to the Lord. I know as Andrea and I give and are faithful, it's just amazing to see how God multiplies that, not just in our life, but in the life of this church to be able to reach people for the kingdom of God. And there's a verse in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 9 says that the generous will themselves be blessed for they share their food with the poor. And I was thinking on that, and I was thinking about food with the poor. Okay, I get it. And then, and then it hit me that back then it was an agricultural society that for, for them that was their livelihood. And, and what God was saying is that as 
as they give, as they're generous, as they're not stingy. One of our core values is, is generosity, and it's not just money. It's in every area of our life that we're going to choose to live life with an open hand, not a closed fist. But, but the promise of Scripture for our lives is that as we live life this way, that God promises that we will be blessed. And I'm not talking about we're driving Lamborghinis or Ferraris. I'm talking about we live our life under the cloud of God's blessing. That we recognize that our family's blessed. That we're blessed with our job. That we're blessed in our relationship. That we're becoming all that God has created us to be and he's moving through us in our life. That's the kind of blessed I'm talking about. And what an amazing promise that God has for us. That when we live this way, that we truly experience the blessed life. If you would, if you'd stand with me today, I wanna pray over our offering and then our team is gonna lead us out with one more song. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness in our life and we thank you, God, for your many blessings. Lord, I pray that you, God, as we are faithful in our giving, that you would multiply it in our life and the life of this church that we may accomplish all that you've called us to. In Jesus' name. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.